We are all born with a purpose, yet identifying what that is can be very challenging. It can be even more challenging to find purpose in your business. So, is it possible to find purpose in your business and make profit at the same time? Not only is it possible, but a business led by purpose can be even more profitable than one that is simply led by profit. Join Robert Fukui as he explores how to be purpose-led and profitable while making a positive impact in your community. Good morning. This is Robert Fukui, your host of the Purpose and Profitability podcast, where we believe that having a profitable, purpose-led business can lead to community transformation. Happy Monday morning. Good morning, everyone. I hope you had a great weekend. I certainly did. I just celebrated my 12th wedding anniversary this weekend, actually yesterday. Um, so spent we spent the day up in Santa Barbara and then yesterday we made a great an awesome dinner and a great shared a great bottle of wine so I had a great weekend so I'm ready to go for this this week and this morning's topic is titled building your brand through IP or intellectual property and to do that because I'm not an attorney <laughs> I brought in my special <laughs> guest Jerome Fogel uh, founder of Fogel LLP, which is a law firm here in the Los Angeles area uh, which provides an outsourced general counsel to Hide growth companies and startups. Um, he's also married uh, three years now. Uh, to be three in, in July. We're not three in July. Okay, there. three in July. So it's coming out. So your wedding anniversary is <laughs> coming out. Still, still a newlywed, um, but married to beautiful bride Sherry and um, holds a bachelor's degree in uh, business administration from the Haas School of Business at UC Berkeley, as well as a JD from New York Law. Um, and is a certified behavioral consultant. So um, has a law firm here. Um, helps um, corporations, startups, uh, rein in difficult and complex corporate and intellectual property matters, transactions, and budgets by focusing on results, responsive service, and a team of subject matter experts. Uh, not only does he have a law degree, but he's also currently pursuing his Master's of Divinity with an emphasis on spiritual formation at Talbot School of Theology. So this is kind of interesting because it almost seems like a conflict of interest. It looks like <laughs> there's a pastoral side to this, and then there's also the law side, the attorney side of this. Right? Well, you know, you know, that's why we're called the uh, counselors. You know, really, we are counseling people. We're walking them through there you go. In their lives. And so, yeah, there is a conflict. People go, what are you doing? You're, you're in seminary. You're in law school. You're at NYU. Like, what's going on there? So, yeah. How can you be a lawyer and a, and a pastor? <laughs> you know, actually, uh, John Calvin went, I know it was, uh, you know, had a law degree and some of these other um, yeah. But I think it's, I, I think really the, you're, you're counseling people is really yeah. the main thing that's happening. Um, cool. And you're, you're helping them walk through from A to B. And so it's exciting. I, I enjoy doing it. Great. Well, well, thanks Jerome for, for coming on this Monday thanks morning. Um, so how you doing? How was your weekend? It was good. I, I didn't, uh, didn't get to celebrate the anniversary like you did. That'll be in a couple months, but I have to celebrate mother's day and uh, with my mom and, you know, my sister and her nephews. And, you know, we got to enjoy that and, you know, hang out and have some ice cream and play some games. So that's always fun. And, and then uh, also got a chance to you know, go to the gym with my wife and have a little date night. So we do that once cool. a week. So it was a good weekend. Yeah, it was a good weekend good. overall. Good. Awesome. So, yeah, no, I'm excited for this topic. Um, you know, I, I talk a lot about branding, but mainly from a, not necessarily from the um, intellectual property matter, uh, intellectual property side, the way you talk about it, which is on the legal side. Um, mm -hmm. I talk about intellectual property, but mainly uh, from the, I guess, the um, subjective portions, you know, mm -hmm. your vision, your skill set, your giftings, um, your innovative qualities and all that. But certainly there are 
that it, there is that legal side of it, the intellectual side, which so which is um, great that you're. I'm grateful that you're on to this morning. Before so. we get into the topic, though, because of the title of this podcast and Facebook Live is Purpose and Profitability, mm-hmm. you got to start with purpose. So, yeah. Jerome, what is your purpose as far as being an attorney or with your law firm? And oh, that's a in general. great question. And I love what you do, by the way. So for anyone that's, that's listening or watching, I really believe in what you do. And, you know, for me, I, I'm passionate about helping leaders and organizations reach their full potential. And what I mean by that is there's levers in any organization and any, in any leader, and those levers unlock the potential of what success means for them. And when you have a successful organization, a healthy leader, healthy organization, you create jobs, you, um, you, know, you uh, promote you know, wellness in the neighborhood, you pr- provide economic expansion, you provide opportunity. And, and the, what I love to see is the transformation in the leader. So we work with leaders sometimes who you know, are just starting a company or maybe a leader who've ran a company for three to four or five years. Mm-hmm. And just to see their growth and development, to me, that's one of the most exciting things to see them get, see them uh, fulfill their purpose. And that's why I love what I do. It's, the, it's really the personal transformation I see in leaders. And that leads to the organizational transformation. Well, great, great answer. So it sounds like you get a little bit more involved in just kind of the legal side. I mean, do you, do you see yourself kind of getting right. deeper? Well, right. Well, the, 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 the law is a tool. So, you know, the law is just a tool. There's, there's many different tools like you, you know, you're with, with profit and with, um, with purpose. And so for us, you know, we see, uh, you know, we try to help leaders build and protect their brands and their companies. And typically these are visionary brands and companies. And so I think intellectual property is a big part of that. Um, you know, obviously, you know, starting a corporation properly, especially when you have investors coming in, those things are all really important. But then also we have opportunities to advise them on developing leadership teams, uh, startup advisory services on market development. So, you know, we, we try to, our, our main focus is the law, but as a tool, but the rest of those services kind of, kind of come around that as well. Great. So what is intellectual property? That's a great question. So uh, <laughs> it's basically a, it's a, it's a category of rights that protect um, intellectual inventions. So I'll give you an example. So um, uh, Coca-Cola, I know, I remember you worked for Coca-Cola. Mm. So the, the actual name Coca-Cola is trademarked. So that means that that mark can only be used by Coca-Cola in certain uh, categories. Or you might have something like a trade secret. So a trade secret is basically a process or um, uh, a method that's not generally known to the public that gives you economic advantage and you take reasonable protection to secure it. So, for instance, like a recipe, um, uh, like, like a you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Something like that that's closely guarded. So that'd be a trade secret. Then you have a, a patent. So you, may, you have an example of a patent would be, um, for instance, uh, Motorola sold um, a lot of their software patents to Facebook for about a billion dollars when, when mm-hmm. Facebook first started. They didn't have their own patent portfolio. So there's, um, there's uh, processes. These could be uh, software or it could be, for instance, in, um, <clears throat> in like, you know, automobile manufacturers, maybe they have a, a certain type of uh, uh, engine or, or some kind of a method or process or some product that's an, a novel invention and that can be patented as well. So um, sounds like, you know, a lot of that revolves around products and so forth. What about 
and service-based bins for people to have a service. Cause I know there's a lot of people that, you know, you watch or listen to this podcast and mm-hmm. they're consultants, coaches and trainers and such like that. Maybe they have curriculums or have some kind of platform that they go off of, but is there anything that can be protected if you're a service-based business? Yes. Okay. So that's a very good question. So copyright protects original works of authorship. So okay. any of your curriculum, um, any of the, your content on your website is protected and branding is really important. So the branding, obviously you trade, you can trademark that. So mm-hmm. I'd say copyright would be the main protection um, in, in service-based business. Sometimes there's, there's, uh, you know, there can be um, obviously customer lists, you know, you know, I, I, we deal with companies where sometimes there's um, disagreements with officers of the corporation and founders and so your sales list, your customer, you need to safeguard that. Those things are protected. Those can be trade secreted. You enter into agreements with employees so that um, there's limited, you know, competition um, mm-hmm. under California. It's got to be specific the mm-hmm. way you do that. But so there's ways to protect, you know, trade secrets um, of your corporation as well. So those are, mm-hmm. those are all coming to play. And then what about, um, you know, I know um, like when oh, for trademark, for example, there's the, depending on how you, do the T it's it determines whether you've actually gone through the actual legal process of trademarking or you can actually just put the symbol which has some level of protection or clarify that for me because yeah there's you know there's a little uh, kind of conflated sometimes out there so so essentially there's co- what's called common law protection so common law kind of developed in, in Britain and the idea is that even if you don't register with the United States Patent and Trademark Office there is sort of uh, protection that you could um, acquire through the court. So that depends on, you know, if you're in California or Minnesota, wherever you are, there are certain laws you can take advantage of. But what the USPTO does is it standardizes it. It standardizes the damages and it standardizes the process that you go through. So when you register a trademark, that's what that, that R is for. And, and, and even the, the TM, um, you know, people put those TMs on there, but that's not something that you do to um, unless unless you've registered it, so I think people sort of will put those mm-hmm. uh, marks on there, thinking that they're protected. They are protected because of common law, but um, they're not necessarily uh, protected in terms of the federal, you know, registered trademark system. Gotcha. So, how do you determine number one if it's protectable or not, and then two is when do you just say, "Hell, oh, I'll, I'll just." Use common law versus I'll just go through the actual process of registering uh, it. Good question. So I think there's a really good reason to, to trademark your brand. So I'll give you an example. So uh, someone like Google, Twitter, uh, those marks are what's called arbitrary and fanciful, meaning that the, the actual name, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a descriptive name. Like, for instance, if you sold something and just called it Leather Couch, that would be merely descriptive. Mm-hmm. And you probably would get rejected from from um, registration. So the, the mark has to be something um, that's more than merely just descriptive. Mm-hmm. And then it has to be in a certain category. So there's about 40 or 50 different categories that you can register marks. And so, you know, services and products, entertainment, it can be different kinds of things. And so, you know, typically what I, what I will tell business owners, is if you're first starting out, you, you want to protect your at minimum, your, your main brand and any product lines that are going to market. But if, if, 
if you know if finances are an issue we deal with sometimes some of our companies have started with just a shoestring budget mm-hmm. if you can't afford it well then you don't start but then once you start developing some traction or you're starting to work with some big you know companies or retail stores and manufacturers then you want to begin to the trademark process because once you're profitable people are going to want to duplicate that and copy that and pawn off your good name and it right. happens all the time yeah right and and so and even obviously service based business like with co- coaches and stuff you have a book or you have a some kind of curriculum or whatever some kind of platform that you're you, you speak on or whatever those are things that you want to go through the process of doing some kind of protection right right what i well i think the the copyright protection is you know automatically granted but when you register it with the the copyright office mm-hmm. Then it's really on record. You have the date. So, you know, I would recommend submitting your information to the copyright office. Um, And also, if you have a certain type of service that you offer or there's a tagline that you have, you can also trademark that. So, you know, somebody can't use like can't use the same wording that you're using Mm -hmm. and trying to kind of pawn off pawn off your good name Uh, to give you an example um, you know, there's a, there's a company that we work with and they're in the clothing industry and they have a really well-known, um, brand. And what, what some companies will do is they will change maybe one of the words of the brand. So let's say the, you know, let's say the brand was like uh, blue Forsyth. I'm making it up. Obviously let's say they, they change it to red Forsyth. Well, that would be confusingly similar for, mm-hmm. for a, for a customer. Sure. And so yeah. they would have to uh, they would be able to send a cease and desist letter against that other company. So that that gives you protection from companies confusing consumers in the marketplace. Well, reminds me of a funny story. I was in Jamaica uh, years ago. Was driving uh, Ocho Rios, I think, is the name of the city, and then we're driving past this uh, the Hard Rock Cafe. Mm-hmm. But I look at it and I go. I don't think that's the same Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> it had a similar symbol and all that, but it looked like it was spray painted on the wall. But uh, um, so obviously, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to to go after <laughs> misses like that. <laughs> yeah, international <laughs> can be an issue. Yeah, that can, that can be <laughs> and it's probably not worth going after them. But it was funny. I was like, I don't think that's the same Hard Rock Cafe. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, one of the things you guys do in your law firm is helping businesses develop their brand. Um, mm-hmm. through the use of intellectual property. So, I mean, what does that, what does that look like besides just protecting it, you know, the copyrights, trademarks, well, what, is there a certain strategy that you sure. go after? So I'll get, give you an example. Um, uh, you know, if you're familiar with Wingstop, I know people, mm-hmm. a lot of people like, you know, yeah. Wing. So if you look at their, um, you know, recent SEC reporting, the value that they had a, a value for their trademark under their assets and, mm-hmm. Can you guess what the number was? How much the, the value of their trademarks was? The value of their trademarks? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. God, I couldn't even begin to tell you. <laughs> 30, $32 million. Wow. $32 Just off of trademarks? Just the trademarks. So it, what happens is you, when you create a, a brand, if you're able to protect that brand, then you essentially have exclusive use of that brand in a certain category. So what we, what we recommend is, Obviously, you know, clients develop, whether it's a service or a product, whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, de- develop, develop what you're doing. And, but once you, once you begin to really gain traction, once you figure out what, what the market wants, you want to have a name that's not, like I said, merely descriptive. So if you do, you know, 
leadership coaching. Don't mm-hmm. just say, you know, Bob's leadership coaching. You know, you mm-hmm. got to have something that's, that's, um, uh, that's creative, have some mm-hmm. kind of creative element to it. That's, that's novel. And then mm-hmm. once you're able to do that, then what we recommend is then we file for the trademark for the brand. Now that's called a word mark. So that covers any use of those words, whatever color style it is. But okay. then what you can begin to do is file what's called stylized marks. So when you worked for Coca-Cola, you had that, you know, that, that just the script, that no, script yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Now, if somebody was to, to use a totally different word, but using that script, what, what happened is that would violate the stylized mark trademark. So then what you begin mm-hmm. to do is uh, with your creative team and whoever you use, you begin to uh, trademark that stylized mark and the logo. So you begin to really branch out. And for instance, look at like NBA and NFL, very, very strong brands. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no other brands that really even come close to uh, what they do. And they vigorously protect their trademarks and their brands. So what we advise again is uh, come up with a great product, a great service. And then you really want to come up with a name with a stylized mark, with a logo that identifies who you are, and you go out and you protect that. And then once you protect that, uh, people, other co- uh, uh, competition is on notice mm-hmm. that if they are to use uh, anything close to similar to your marks, confusingly similar, then you, know, you can send them a cease and desist letter and go after them. And then what we do is we tell clients, okay, what, is, what are your best products, your best services that you're using? Go ahead and trademark those first. And then as you're building products and building brands and you begin to trade, trademark those, you know, uh, more, but start with the most successful ones first. So give me some examples of Wingstop's, uh, the different trademarks. They have, yeah, they have a lot of trademarks. So were they trademark, obviously their name, their company, but were there menu items and, you know, what are all the different types of things? No, good tra- question. So, so there's the actual word Wingstop. There's the mm-hmm. actual, you know, the logo with the mm-hmm. wings. Mm-hmm. Um, there's different colors, different, they, they do okay. at that level, they do, you know, hundreds of iterations. Um, they, they make sure that they really carve out a place in, in that market. And, it, um, and I, I'm not hundred percent on the, the menu of what they've done, but I'm sure that there's probably some items on the menu that they've done as well. Um, but mm-hmm. typically it's just the, you know, the, the main brands and the different logos and the colors. So, mm-hmm. you know, the way you do the colors, it, you know, that can be um, stylized marks. Those mm-hmm. can be stylized marks as well. So just, if you just oh. go to the USPTO mm-hmm. and you search under word mark, go to mm-hmm. like a Coca-Cola, go to like a you know, Wingstop, and you can okay. see, you'll see hundreds of marks registered. Wow. Sounds like it can be an expensive process too, though, right? It or is can. It something it that can. does over time, though? But then what you think about is what's the cost of not doing it? So let's right. say you start to have competitors to go through the core process can be an expensive process. But if you, mm-hmm. know, you send them a cease and desist letter, they're mm-hmm. on notice. And then mm-hmm. there's certain penalties that automatically accrue. There's certain treble damages that occur, you know, penalties, punitive damages for mm-hmm. them to continue to use the mark. So it really speeds the process up for you. In the long run, it saves you, you know, time and money from, from litigation, which can be expensive. Yeah, yeah. Good. Hey, so what about um, what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen companies make with their products, or you know, as they're building the brand and, and using or not using intellectual property? Right. Uh, probably one of the biggest mistakes we see are marks that are uh, people attempt to file marks that are merely descriptive. So um, you know, like I said, like you know, Bob's leadership coaching. You know, it's there's got to be 
um, if you're just merely describing the services, it's, it's going to be less of a likelihood of being granted a trademark. So you've, you've got to really have something that has a, something novel and unique to it. Um, you've got to make sure that also what, what I see also is you have issues with um, companies that don't trademark and think, oh, I, I'm protected by the common law and I just put a TM on there. So I think that's another issue that I see a lot of. Um, so that's why, I, we, like I said, you want to suggest um, uh, arbitrary and fanciful marks. Um, and so, like I said, like the Google, the Twitters are, are really good at doing that. But I mean, if you, you know, if, but if you use your name, um, you know, let's say the, you know, just example, like the Robert, you know, Fukui company, you know, there, there's a possibility you could get a, a trademark. It's possible. Um, sometimes names are very difficult to get trademarked unless you're, you know, celebrity or have something like, you know, like that. So, so I think that the more that you can be creative in your branding, the, the better mm -hmm. likelihood you have of, of being issued trademarks. And, uh, you said something about the cease and desist letters. Are those usually enough uh, to, to have a, a company stop trying to copy your stuff or That's I would imagine there's some that just keep going. So. What are some <laughs> thoughts around Sophisticated that? players, um, we, we've seen sophisticated players will not, you know, will stop the use. So they may, not, they may not admit it in writing or they'll try to get around that, but they will stop the use. So the, the ones that are less sophisticated, uh, uh, we've seen that you know, once, they, once they give this to an attorney who understands what's happening, they will stop. Um, the risk is when you send a cease and desist letter, if there's anything weak about your trademark, like for instance, if it's merely descriptive, mm -hmm. there's a chance that you know somebody could knock your trademark out. So I think that you only want to send a cease and desist letter if your trademark is really strong and you want to be aware of the risks if you send it out. If it, sometimes mm -hmm. examiners may issue a mark and it's a weaker mark, so you have to be careful. But normally, I'd say over 90% of the time, you know, they'll stop their, they'll stop what they're doing. We've seen them stop dead in their tracks because it's okay. just expensive for them not to do it. Yeah. yeah. Good. So what do you recommend for those uh, who may not have the resources to invest in IP strategies yet? Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, yeah. but, you know, start someone, a business starting up or, you know, uh, you know, there's a number of different scenarios, but uh, what, do, what do you recommend for them? Right. Well, you know, and my hats off, my hats off to those of you that are, you know, starting out businesses and, and you're starting from scratch, you know, I would say really in, invest, you know, the money in getting your service, getting your, your, your product um, for consumers, you know, for your clients and invest it, invest in that process first, obviously getting everything up to speed. If you don't have the, the money for IP yet, once you start getting traction, um, once you start getting traction in the marketplace, once you start, you know, um, working with, you know, larger entities and larger companies, you definitely want to then begin to ish get the trademark process started. And if you have a product, you want to get the patent, you know, mm -hmm. process started. Mm -hmm. um, because once you start getting competitors involved, then there's really good likelihood that people are going to steal your information. They may even file before you do. So there's a lot of risks involved. So I would say, start, you know, start focusing on your consumer, start getting traction. Once you get traction and getting some revenue, start thinking, okay, long-term, this is going to be a good uh, investment in, our, in the asset. And, the, and if it's copyright, 
um, you know, you can, you copyright, you can, you have the common law sort of copyright. You can also, you know, send your information to the copyright office. They'll ask you like a series of 10 or 15 questions, but you can send your material to the copyright office. And so you can do that right away if you have material that you're teaching. Okay. So it sounds like, you know, at the very least, I mean, I would recommend even counsel, having some counsel with you up front, just say, hey, you know, here's my situation and you let me know what's a, what's a good plan or what's, what's a good way to think about developing my IT strategy, even if I don't have the money now, but w- like what would be the first thing I would go after or what are some things I can do now without even having to use attorney and then what are some of the things I definitely want to use an attorney for and would that be a good um uh, a, a good thing for people to do to at least kind of seek someone like you for counsel up front and say, Hey, let's, let's, let's look at this. Right. No, that's good. I think, you know, I think you, in the very beginning, you want to think about what's the competitive advantage that, that I can sustain. So, you know, if it's a service-based business, you know, your, your, your trademarks, your taglines. So, you know, you want to, you want to think early about, okay, what, what things am I going to earmark for, for protection later on. So it's mm-hmm. the brand, it's the tagline. Uh, if you're in a service, service-based business, obviously if you've got um, material that you're teaching or, you know, it's a book that uh, there's copyright protection. So you want to earmark those things early on. If it's a product, you want to say, okay, well, you know, this is an invention we've created. If we're seeing the market respond well, you know, once we get a certain amount of revenues, we're going to, you know, we're going to set these aside to invest in, the you know patent protection for instance so i think you kind of early on look at hey what's my competitive advantage and say okay we want to protect that and you want to earmark revenues down the line and i think and you you can consult with it with an attorney and early on if you have some questions and most attorneys you know will do a free consult with you you can you can do that as well so i think that's always wise to kind of sometimes we talk to clients and you know they, they may come to us three months or six months down the line and they say, okay, now we're ready, you know, to mm-hmm. work with. Yeah, I would say definitely put that as part of the business plan and think about as your your budget or your forecast. <clears throat> you know, as you're you're growing, your business is growing, your revenue and profits are growing. That may put a line item in your forecast to to do some IP, to do some intellectual right. property, to do some protection. And what we find is, uh, you on average will the value of the intellectual property is you know, 10 to 12 times what you spend. So, you know, if you invest in a, in a patent asset, let's say you invest, you know, 20 to $25,000 in a patent asset, assuming that you have, you know, marketability, that asset, you know, could be worth 200, you know, $50,000 or more, or say, you know, you spend $2,000 on a trademark, you know, the value of your brand, that's going to be at least, you know, 20,000. Sometimes it's just going to be more than that. But typically Mm -hmm. the value, you're going to get a 10 X or more return on your money in terms of the value. And is that just the valuation of the business, like when you're going to sell or how does that? Yeah, I think the value, the valuation of the business in terms of thinking about selling, or if you're thinking about, um, you know, just in terms of your, your balance sheet, you know, mm-hmm. your, your, the, those, the, those trademarks are those, uh, are, the brand is an asset on your balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's something to think about for mm-hmm. sure. Interesting. Okay. Man, it's good stuff. So any, any last thoughts or words of advice for people out there? Yeah, no, I think, um, like I said, my hat's off to, you know, the entrepreneurs out there and the business owners. I, I think that think about, you know, law as a tool. It, it's a tool in your tool belt. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have marketing, you have, um, you know, human resources, you have mm-hmm. 
strategy, and just yeah. think of law as one tool. Because ultimately, entrepreneurship is about you know doing doing something for your customer and getting paid enough so that you can do it again. Mm. And so, I think think of law as a tool to help you build that and to help you protect that in the long run. So whether it's IP, whether it's you know getting your corporation set up right if you have investors and things of that nature, or if it's you know getting an employment agreement, you know yeah. uh, protecting your IP. Mm-hmm. You know, those things are going to you know help you in the long run. So just think about the law as a tool as mm. to, for what you're trying to do in the long run. Mm. So, so you just kind of hit on something that I want to ask you real quick. Uh, yeah, of course. So as you're having employees, um, I guess it sounds like within the employee agreements, all that somehow in the wording of your employee agreements needs to make sure that there's something in there that holds the employee accountable in case they, when they leave the company or if they leave the company, that they don't try and take some of that protection or take some of the knowledge, I guess, right. and try and replicate that. So is that something that gets worked into contracts and Yes, agreements? and it, it depends on the state of, of, what, of what you are. So uh, some, a lot of times the, uh, there'll be like a work for hire agreements, essentially any work that the employee does while employed with your company is the company's property, anything that you work on. Um, mm-hmm. So you're being very specific about what the employees develop. And then what you, what I see too is um, in California, for instance, other states are different, but there's, you know, non-complete, non-competes aren't enforceable mm-hmm. uh, under certain circumstances. Um, if they're time bound, if they're reasonable, mm-hmm. um, if they're, so yeah, you have to structure those in the right way, but essentially you definitely, the work for hire is an important component so that any, any work that they do is now the property of the company. You want to make sure that's the case and you don't want it to be onerous. I mean, if mm-hmm. you have an employee who's working on a side business and you want to, you know, you want to carve out some exceptions and you can do mm-hmm. things like that, but yeah. that's definitely a, that's definitely a big issue that if you're familiar with the Barbie and Bratz case, uh, essentially mm-hmm. this, so this inventor, um, who was working for Mattel, he created this doll, mm-hmm. um, and he said, Hey, I, I have this idea for this young, fun, you know, doll and it's, you know, teenagers and, and they kind of, you know, uh, rejected it at first. And then he ended up starting a company, which became Bratz billion dollar brand. And then they, mm-hmm. they went to litigation over this, over mm-hmm. was that work for hire or was it not? And the agreement mm-hmm. was kind of, um, wasn't very clear and, and, and Bratz ended up winning in the long run, but mm. it took, it was a long drawn out legal battle over one provision that wasn't wow. you know, correct. <laughs> oh, geez. Wow. <laughs> one sentence can really throw some one stuff sentence. off. Jeez. Huh? All right. Well, you make, make sure you have a good proofreader. Huh? That's <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a little thing. Wow. <clears throat> well, Hey Jerome, I really appreciate you coming on this morning and getting this Monday, this week off. Right. Um, a lot of great insight. Uh, great wisdom, a lot of good things for people to think about, um, including myself. So we'll have to talk some more. I know, I know you've been getting on me about writing a book, but <laughs> that one's going to be a little bit. But I definitely got stuff out there so we can we have to talk about looking through my portfolio <laughs> saying, okay, what do we need to protect? Um, yeah. So, Hey Jerome, thanks again for popping on. Um, thanks everyone again for listening to this purpose and profitability podcast. If you have any business questions or topics that you'd like to hear more about, you want to hear Jerome again, um, email me at prosper at I 61 business development.com. That's prosper at the letter I, the number 61 business development.com. 
or go to the Facebook page, Purpose and Profitability Facebook page, and you can type in your comments there. Uh, so tune in again next week as I go live again. And thank you again for listening. This is Robert Fakui. And remember, purpose plus profit equals transformation. God bless everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. For more information, please visit purposeandprofit.com.